We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a drive to right field. It's deep down the line. Back by the wall, and Tristan Cassis has his first major league home run. Tristan Cassis pulling a 3-2 pitch high and out. And the Red Sox have cut the lead to one. His family is here from the Miami area. His dad, Jose, and other members of the family. And Tristan Casas has hit his first of many, we would think. All right, a nice moment for Tristan Casas tonight. First major league home run, then that dink in the outfield wouldn't give him the ball I think or something like that what was uh, what was going on there loser you serious wouldn't give him the ball I mean what was that a historic home run you gonna sell that one give him the damn ball um you know I I'm, I'm criticizing Xander Bogart's season I am but you got to give the guy credit I mean in what's one of his most disappointing years he's still batting what 317 <laughs> you know I mean the guy's a great player but I just think with with the level and the pedestal that he has been placed upon here in Boston, I, I just need a little bit more in terms of a run production, thump, power, whatever you want to say. You know, just having a good average isn't enough. Not when you are put as, like, the best player on the Red Sox. Um, and I do think he has created a vibe this year that didn't help the team win games. I do. I have no proof of that, but that's just based on what I'm reading, what I'm seeing, what I'm watching, what I'm hearing. It did sound like, you know, the energy that Xander Bogarts exuded at points and times during this season um, wasn't in the best interest of the Red Sox. You know, until I see or hear otherwise, that's what I'm going to believe. Even though he is still batting 317, but went over tonight. Um, just a disappointing, again, a team that is unable, the most damning thing about this team this year was obviously their record against the division. Because there's a good team after good team located in the AL East. And their inability to really put together any good stretch of play against those teams told me everything I needed to know. Told me everything I needed to know about the makeup of the team, of the performance, the production that this team was going to put forth all year long. And that was everything that I needed to see. 617-779-7937. It's just a... This is a good division. I get it. But when you look up and down that lineup, this team should have been better this year. And they weren't. You can talk about high and bloom all you want. But it is not all on him. It is more, I believe, on the players and the way they've played this year 
than Hyam Bloom. Hyam Bloom is up there. He deserves blame. But the way the players executed this year, not good enough. What would your list be for like who gets the most blame? Like okay. between players, management, and core, the coaches. So I gotta go back a little bit, but I had it divvied up exactly. Okay, and I don't know where it is. I'll find it. Um I definitely had the players with the most blame. Okay, so it was the players, they were I think like forty something percent. Then after that, it was Bloom, 30-something percent. And then I think after that, it was, I know after that, it was Alex Cora, 20-something percent. Bloom deserves a lot of criticism. I don't want to make it sound like I don't think Hyam Bloom deserves any criticism. He hasn't had a good year. I feel like he's been all over the place. I don't know if they're selling. I mean, what was it at the trade deadline we were all talking about? Are they sellers? Are they buyers? That's a direct reflection on the performance of the general manager. Like, you can't be so wishy-washy. We, we, there was no, nobody knew anything about the identity of the team, of the direction of the team. That's unacceptable. We didn't know where they were going or what they were doing, and I don't think the players did either. I mean, if you're going to suck, suck, and operate as a team that sucks. If you're going to go for it, go for it. And it just felt like all year long he was, I don't know, a little bit in, a little bit out, and he wasn't doing anything that showed me conviction in what they were trying to accomplish for this season. And remember last year at the deadline, after they got like Schwarber and did all this kind of stuff, all the the clubhouse was like, what are you doing? Like, same thing this year. You thought he would have learned from last year. So this is what I'm saying. I mean, these trends, what I need to see, okay, and this is sort of what I was saying about – um this is what I was, I've was. i been saying about the Red, uh, not the Red Sox, the Patriots. And what's disappointing, we can get into football, but what's disappointed me most about the season, preseason so far, is it feels like, to me, they have an, obviously there's going to be limitations this year. But to me, it feels like they haven't done everything and anything to be ready for week one. You know, guys sat out the first preseason game. They did things, you know, the coaching staff, there was a process. Instead of having guys in there, that were going to definitively get Mac Jones ready and get that offense up and running. They've been doing other stuff. They haven't played in all the preseason games. They've done this and that. That's my problem. And I feel the same way about the Red Sox, sort of. Like, I could deal with just not getting it done. But you got to go for it. Like, this half in, half out, are we going for it? Are we sellers? Are we buyers? Is this guy? We got... We're going to get Trevor Story, and then we're going to have nobody play first base, and the bullpen's terrible. And this guy is coming back, and we're going to rely on Chris Sale, who we know gets injured, and then guess what? Injured again, injured in the game, injured away from the game. Like, what are we doing? There was no conviction. He didn't say, all right. we're go-. Like, I wanted him this year. Forget about Bradley Jr. and Travis Shaw and, and Rich Hill. I wanted him to identify two guys, two of the guys from the farm, the prospects. Bring them up. All right, this is our future. These are the guys that I've created. Bring them up, put them on the roster, get them ready to play. Then you supplement the rest of the team that you already had in place with established bona fide players like Story, but other guys, pitchers, relievers, guys that have done it, guys that still have it. That Then I would have said, Joe, hey, okay, he went for it. I see what he was doing. We tried to get some young guys, you know, acclimated to the major league 
style of play in the team. We try to bring in some veterans, guys that are accomplished, guys that could jump right in and produce. And if it doesn't work out or if you lose a tough series, fine. But after what they did last year to come into this year and really be just spinning your head and have no clue what's going on, or I'm not going to say he has no clue what's going on, but to make it feel like nobody knew what was exactly going on, that just couldn't happen. That's why I'm so disappointed in what we've seen this year from High and Bloom and the Red Sox overall. It, there was no conviction to anything they were doing. We didn't know where they were going or what they were trying to do. Were they going for it? Were they wait? Were they holding back and just going to wait to explode? I didn't know what was happening. So when you say like the players get the most of the blame, then what are you expecting if you have nothing at first base, you don't have enough arms in the bullpen, and you don't have enough production there? How can you say that? is all on the players when Heim Bloom put them in a situation they probably shouldn't have been. That's why I'm not saying it's all on the players. That's why I'm saying they get the most blame. Okay, because I'm looking at all, you know, if you look at the entire season, go back to some of the games in April. You know, they jumped out to a lead and then didn't score again. And now it was a, it was a small lead, one not 2 nothing, didn't score again. These are your big bats. These are the guys that are supposed to produce your best players. That was when the pitching was playing or was, th- you know, the starters were performing pretty well. The bats weren't there. You know, then you had a stretch where Nick Pavetta dominated. Not enough. You still fell into a hole. Then Trevor Story was dominant. You know, you you climbed back in a little bit, but it still wasn't enough. You know, you've had stretches. It's been sporadic, but you've had stretches this year where various guys dominated at different points. You know, like I just mentioned Pavetta. Tell me out. Who else had a big stretch other than Pavetta and Story? Um, you know, even Cutter Crawford had a stretch there where he was pitching well. You, you've ha- it's not like it's been pathetic. This is in 2012. I'm just saying I think overall the players have been inconsistent. Bloom deserves a lot of criticism, yes, but the players are on the field. You know, I mean, somebody tweeted this the other day. A fully healthy Red Sox lineup. This was from, this was in the other, there's a few weeks ago. But a fully healthy Red Sox lineup. Tommy Pham, Devers, Bogarts, Verdugo, Martinez, Story, Hosmer, Kike Hernandez. Like, that doesn't suck. You know what I mean? It doesn't suck. Like, it it shouldn't, that lineup there, and I get it. There's been injuries and people haven't been in the lineup consistently. That lineup there should not be whatever the Red Sox record is against the AL East. And I don't even really care what your pitching is. That lineup should not be that bad against the AL East. And all right, Pham came in later, and Hosmer wasn't that good, and he came in late. But you still got all those other guys, Story, Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, Verdugo. Kike's been out, but you had, you know, you had guys that have produced in the playoffs, all-stars, stars. To do that, to do that this year, no way. No way are you going to tell me that that was not on the players. The GM is the GM. And like I said, he's produced, he's brought in guys that have worked. They've worked. Not all of them. He's been a little gun shy at times. There's no way I put Bloom, in terms of the blame, above the players. I don't do it. Let's talk to David in Rhode Island. Hey, David. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? So, this is my thing on the Red Sox. You know, a lot of it is, yes, high boom, 
I'm a scorer. Let's not leave him out of it as a manager. It's his responsibility to get the team to perform. But you also have to put a lot of it on the players. These guys are professional athletes, okay? So, yes, we all go through some down times. You know, they have times where they're not performing, injuries, that sort of a thing. But I feel that there's a lot of it here going on because of certain people didn't get a long-term contract. Like, I think what they did with uh, Kiki Hernandez today, giving him $10 million, yeah. that's just to shut the people up, the fans. Oh, you know, we're working with these guys. Because I think that's too much money. They shouldn't give him that much money. They should have given six or seven for one year. That's it. Take it or leave it. You know, they, they gave 10. That, that's to shut up the crowd. That shut up the fans, your, your, your season holders. So we're working with these guys. But that, to me, that was actually the wrong move. But a lot of these guys, to be honest with you, as a business person, I wouldn't sign them for more than five years. They want $25 million a year. Why should you give them 10, um, 10 years? For what? There's no guarantee they're going to last that long being, a, being you know, a, a good player, being profitable. Correct. So so wh- why would you do that? Thanks for the call, David. I agree. And that's the thing. It's not so much the money. It's the years. Some of these guys, they all want long contracts and the security. But those years, that's what bit the Red Sox in the ass when it came to Dustin Pedroia. He, they gave him so many years. It was a thank you type of thing. And he, he couldn't come close to being productive throughout that contract. Look. If you t- he brought up about guys, uh, whether it was pouting or whatever, because the extensions weren't handed out. Who who am I blaming for that? The the GM or the players? Now again, credit to Xander Bogarts. He still has a good average, but I I just believe that the the attitude that permeated through that clubhouse this year, maybe because of some of those extensions that weren't given out, I think that affected the team, the roster, the stars, and. In association, the culture of the team. I, that's what I believe. You know, I might be wrong. You know, maybe everybody was happy and hunky-dory all year, and I just missed it. But to me, it looked like there were some issues and that they didn't see eye-to-eye with the GM, and instead of just focusing on what they need to do, Alex Cora, who's also a part of this, couldn't get them focused to the level that they needed to be, and for whatever reason, they were awful against the American League East. Awful. Okay, these are guys, these are professionals. They should be able to perform whether or not their contract situation is what it is. That's what a professional does. It sucks. I don't envy anybody in that position, but that's, I mean, that's what it is. And they haven't won. And they've had, you know, Bogarts is on the record. He's talked about how bad he had of a year and how disappointing it was and how just off his swing has felt. So, yeah, the players are the ones that are on the field. The Red Sox cupboard is not bare. Does every piece fit perfectly? No. But they never should be what they are against the American League East. They should not be in last place. They should have been better than they've they've been this year. That is why the players get the blame more so than Hyam Bloom, even though he deserves a bunch of blame because there's things that he has done and the way that he's done things I haven't necessarily agreed with. There's plenty of blame to go around. And what do you know? To have to have it games... They come up small, and they've lost eight straight in Tampa. That's a thing. All right. Um, When we get back, we're going to go into the Patriots. We're going to talk a little bit about their week one matchup, and I'm going to tell you, okay, I'm going to tell you what I think is more important in week one than a win, okay? Hear me out on that. I'm Mark Dundee. This is WEI. 
Ash and Keith, weekdays 10 to 2. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now on WEI and WEI.com. The Red Sox dropped their second game in a row to the Tampa Bay Rays tonight. 8-4. Rich Hill got the loss, only going four innings, giving up nine hits and five runs. The only bright spot for the Sox was Tristan Cassis. He hit his first career home run on a three-run shot in the second inning. The Sox will wrap up their series with the Rays tomorrow. Join Joe Castiglione and Will Fleming for the first pitch, which is at 640 on the Shaws and Star Market. WEI Red Sox Network. Shaws and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. Nick Pavetta will get the start for the Sox opposite Jeffrey Springs for Tampa. Join Mutt for the Visit Massachusetts pregame show at 540, sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts adventure at visitma.com. Staying with the Red Sox, it was reported last night by Jeff Passan that the Sox and outfielder Kike Hernandez agreed to a one-year extension worth $10 million. Hernandez was slated to become a free agent after this season. According to Mike Reese, the Patriots are promoting offensive lineman James Ference from the practice squad to the 53-man roster, Ferrance fills the spot with wide receiver Tyquan Thornton being placed on injured reserve. Finally, staying in the NFL, Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin has announced that Mitch Trubisky will be the team's starting quarterback ahead of their Week 1 matchup in Cincinnati against the Bengals. That is what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now I'm living in correctional facilities Cause some don't agree with how I do this I get straight and meditate like a Buddhist I'm dropping flavor, my behavior is hereditary But my technique is very necessary Blame it on Ice Cube because well, that, That's definitely what we're trying to do We're not going out there trying to have a science lab experiment We're trying to go out there and, and win games uh, I think as you play games and compete against other teams in this league You see where... Um, maybe where your strengths are and where teams are trying to attack you and and how you're holding up in those areas. Um, just just a lot more information, but all right, there's there's no real balance there. We're trying to trying to go out there and be as competitive as we can, but at the same time, we'll 
a close look at what's happening and how it's, how it's all playing out. All right, that was Bill Belichick this morning on, uh, was that this morning from the Greg Hill Show? Bill Belichick. Prior to the team leaving for Miami, they're going down there early, trying to get acclimated to the conditions. Um, do I think that's a panic move? I think I saw Bart Scott say that was a panic move. No. Um, I don't think it was a panic move. I don't think it's going to do much. Um, you know, I don't think that's going to be why they win or lose the game. Who knows? We'll see. Um, here's what I do think, though. And this might not be a popular opinion. I think this is a desperation move. You're trying to change the... Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with mo- <laughs> with much of what Bart Scott says. Um, I, I don't agree with anything Bart Scott says, really, now that I think about it. But, you know, whatever. Like, I, I just don't know why this would be a panic move. I think it's a calculated move. I just don't think it's going to do much. You understand? I don't think it's going to do much in terms of helping the Patriots win the game. Maybe they get a little more acclimated to the heat. Fine. That's fine. Um, Here's what I think, though. I believe that this team um, would be better off going to Miami in week one and losing a shootout 38-35, 42-38 than going down there and winning a game 14-10. Or 17 to 14, a grinded out rock fight defensive battle. I think this team would be better off losing a shootout in this spot. Now, I know that feels ridiculous. It sounds a little out there, I'll admit it. But with this team and what we've seen and how they've performed in the preseason, We know that they could go out there and try to grind out a win. That's what they've been doing since Tom Brady left, beginning with Cam Newton. I've seen that game. That's how they opened the season two years ago. Grind it out, low scoring, run the ball, couple throws, win the game. Outlast the opponent. I've seen that. That style has gotten them nowhere. If they could go down there, though, and do what nobody is expecting them to do, which would be have an explosive offensive performance, I think that would change a lot of things for the better for the Patriots. I think we'd have to reevaluate expectations, and I think we'd all feel better overall about the prospects of this team. We don't expect the offense to be able to do anything, really. We're very down on the offense, and we don't expect them to seize the day come September 11th. If they were able to do that, though, and Mac Jones throws four touchdowns and for 420 yards, and the Patriots put up 38 points, even if their defense is terrible and gives the game away by giving up 42 points, I would take that. Why? Because I think Bill Belichick, based on his track record and his history, he can figure out the defense. If the defense is a disaster in week one, I think he can figure that out. So it sounds like you're taking the over, which is it's set at 46.5 right now. You're going way over. I am absolutely going under. Do you understand me? I'm just saying if they did do that and had a shootout, I would think that's a better situation for the Patriots. I do not expect that whatsoever. I expect the 17-14 to game, the the grind it out. I think actually the Patriots are going to play well. This chair might have broken. Sorry. 
I think the Patriots are actually going to play well, and I think they're going to go down there and be right there with Miami for most of the game. Okay, I, what's the spread at right now? Do you have the spread Miami by three? Three and a half. Oh, right three now. and a half. I would take the Patriots. I think my I, I plus three and a half. I take the Patriots. I think they're going to lose by three or less. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think the Patriots, via a good game plan and being ready to play, I think they're going to wrestle Miami into playing the type of game they want to play. And it's going to be low-scoring. I'm just saying, if it were high-scoring, I think that would bode well. The offense would show us something we aren't expecting. They'd show they have the capability of scoring a lot of points and moving the ball up and down the field and being dynamic and... Like I said, I think Bill Belichick, I have more faith in his ability to fix a defense than have a good defensive performance. The offense just kind of grinds it out, does enough to get it, get the win, but come playoff time or some of the bigger games, if you can't trust the quarterback and his ability to produce, where are you going to be? You're never, nowhere. So I'd rather see the quarterback produce. I think Mac Jones producing is the most important thing for this team. You can figure out defense. You can draft defense. He's proven he can draft defense. He's never proven, really, at least not outside of Tom Brady, that he can cultivate a dynamic elite offense. And if the Patriots ever look like something akin to that, that would be the biggest story I think we could see on Sunday, September 11th. That's why that would be the best-case scenario for the Patriots, in my estimation. So do you think part of it is also who's on the other side? Because you have a rookie coach, new offense, New sort of weapons. Do you think like what Miami is dealing with also helps with that possible scenario? No, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they're going to be able to do that. In fact, I don't think they even want to do that. I think they're going to come in and try to do what I just said. I think they're going to try to like take the air out of the ball or whatever cliche you want to add. Slow it down, run it, play good D, not give up the big play, all of those things. They're going to try to win the game, I think, 20 to 17, 20 to 14, you know, something like that. I don't think they think that their offense is dynamic enough. I'm just saying, you never know. If they were to go out there and, and Devontae Parker has 123 yards and two touchdowns, you know, that's going to fire me up. That's going to get me, you know, I'm going to feel good. So I just. I don't see that happening. But how much could you benefit off of Miami, what they're dealing with, with a rookie head coach and adding Tyreek Hill, and basically it's gut check time for Tua Tagovailoa? Sure. Like, how much does that, you know, sort of help in this possible scenario? I mean, I think maybe, maybe, we know nothing about Mike McDaniel. Bill Belichick, I, I don't have the stats in front of me. I think his track record against rookie head coaches recently is pretty good. Recently. So that bodes well for the Patriots. Um, what doesn't bode well for the Patriots is that Tua has kind of balled out against you. You know what I mean? Like, he's played really well against you. So, I don't expect that to change just because Mike McDaniel took over for Brian Flores. I still think that's going to be a tough matchup for whatever reason. Unless they prove me otherwise. And if they do, I will salute and tip my cap. And I do expect them to play well. I mean, people are saying they're going to go down there, they're going to get their doors blown off. I do not see that. I think they will play well enough. I think the defense will keep them down uh, in terms of the Miami passing attack. They will keep them in check enough. I think the Patriots, they're going to have some struggles offensively, but they'll eventually get into a rhythm. 
They'll have some good drives. They'll have a lead. It just might not be enough. They might not sustain that level of play long enough to really outlast Miami and get the win. That's how they're going to have to get the win if they do. I think they're going to get off to a fast start and then try to outlast Miami, who will make a run in the second half once they sort of figure out what the Patriots are trying to do. But I think it would be better for the team overall if they show some offensive capability and have a big day offensively regardless of whether or not they win the game. Obviously, you want to win the game, you know. But a big day offensively would, I think, open the door for a lot of other things to go their way later this season and throughout the year. If they don't do that, and it's just if we play that game where they're trying to become the 2009-2010 Jets, you know, ground and pound and defense. Look, we saw that all last year. We saw that all last year. And what did that do? That got you to the playoffs where in the biggest game, defensively, you were at your worst. So I'm not for that again. I'm not trying to live that life. I want to see the offense take the next step. So if the offense does do well, would that make you feel better about whatever the play calling situation might be, whether it's Patricia Judge, Belichick, or even Mac Jones throwing it in there? Yeah, I feel a lot better about everything. Everything offensively, I feel better. The coaches, I mean, I wasn't even thinking about that, honestly. Mainly because I don't think that the play calling is going to be that big a deal. Not really. Um, I think it's going to be more how they've approached the preseason, the lack of reps. Like, I think that the, the Patriots, this year's Patriots team, would have benefited so much more from the old preseason. Like the old format of the preseason, the four games, um, the longer, you know, more practices, they would have been better off. If I had Tom Brady and, and Edelman and prime Gronk and a stacked defense that had Hightower in his, in his prime and Revis and Jones and all these guys, Chandler Jones, like then that's, you know, then I like this preseason. We know what you are. You're an established group. You've been there. Everybody's familiar with the system, what you're doing, who you're playing with. No need to be out there any more than you have to be, and don't get hurt. Like, that's what I'd like if they were an established group. You know, if they were the Rams, if they were the Chiefs, if they were the Buffalo Bills. Like, the Bills are an established group at this point. No need to be out there any more than you have to be to risk injury. The Patriots are not an established group. They are not a finished product. So Bill Belichick talking about the preseason doesn't mean anything or the preseason is more about it. Yeah, it is. But like I said the other day, I think that's more. I think that's Bill Belichick trying to decorate the house before the foundation has been laid, before the house is actually built. I think the Patriots still need to build the house. You can't decorate it with this player and that player and trying to figure out, you know, where this guy's going to be until the house is built. And I don't think Mac Jones and all those guys have finished building the house. And I'm a Mac Jones guy. I believe Mac Jones is going to be a really good quarterback. I'm, uh, top, maybe not top of the league, but a bona fide franchise type guy, a face of your franchise, all those things you want a quarterback to be. He's already proven with leadership. He's proven it with his production as a rookie. We'll see where it goes. But you need more to win. And the Patriots just haven't shown it. They just haven't. This is an unproven group. You cannot, with being unproven, 
go out in the preseason and try to turn a switch, flip a switch, come regular season time. It's not going to work. Okay, there's just too many bridges to cross for that to happen with a second-year quarterback and subpar weapons. They needed to start this in the preseason or in the offseason, carry it into the preseason, and actually show us some examples of being prosperous offensively for me to say, okay, this is something that they could do and they can lean on come regular season week one. I haven't seen it. I don't believe it. That's why I think it is going to be a low-scoring game. That's why I do think they're going to struggle. I do think they're going to struggle, and I think they're going to have a tough go of it offensively. Until I see otherwise, until I see another guy emerge, until I see Devontae Parker pop, until I see Nelson Aguilar awaken, which I don't expect. You know, I don't expect some of these guys that were bad in year one to turn it around and be good in year two. I don't expect that. That is not the progression of Patriots wide receivers historically. So, with that being said, we'll have to see. Because if that stuff doesn't happen, this team will be right back where they were last year at best, if not worst. Uh, worse. Because that is a situation last year, remember, they had like the second-ranked defense. They had playmakers. They had Judon, who was in the conversation for de- Defensive Player of the Year. You had one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And where did that get you come the biggest game defensively? Nowhere. This team has a big hill to climb. Yeah, I think we're talking too much about the offense. What about the defense? Is there any concerns like in that area that we should be paying more attention to? There's a lot of concerns. The only good thing about the defense is at least, you know, for a period of time in the preseason, in a game, they showed me something. Now, I don't know who they were going up against when they played Carolina, whatever that was, three weeks ago or whatever. But at least they looked like a team, a defense, that if you're playing twos and threes, you should dominate them. You know, that's what a team that's a good defense should do to twos and threes. Make them look like fools. And that's what they did. So at least there's that. And if I had to, you know, if I'm thinking about the defense in the roster, if I had to, I would consider, I mean, if I had to go in the foxhole or whatever you want to say with one grouping, I'd probably go with the defensive backs. You know, they've got McCourty there, obviously a stabilizing piece. You've got Kyle Duggar, who a lot of us expect big things from him this year. He's on the come up. You've got some of the guys that have stepped in that cornerback spot, Jalen Mills, John Jones, who, you know, by and large throughout camp, we've heard good things. You know, they've really risen to the occasion. And then you've got promising rookies, all the Jones brothers. So if I had to buy into one grouping, Positional grouping defensively, that's probably the one. But who knows? You know, I can't rely on them. Same way I can't rely on Mac Jones. As promising as he was, and again, I buy in on Mac Jones. I'm I'm a Jones guy, but we don't know. We need to see it on the field. In games, in, in NFL regular season games. And until we see it there, we just can't say for sure, okay? Because Mac Jones, as good as he was as a rookie, there's going to be more tape on him. He does not have a number one wide receiver, and you need those things, especially the wide receiver, the weapon, to really ascend to the levels that you want to go to. 
The Patriots don't have that. And the AFC is more talented this year than it maybe has been since Tom Brady entered the NFL. I don't know. Maybe not back then. The, you know, the Dolphins were good back then. We're not having that conversation right now, but it's a really good conference now. Okay, and they've got a lot of good teams. They've got a lot of good players, and the AFC East is good. Okay, the Dolphins have dominated you. The Bills, we know what they're about, and the Jets have some talent. Now, I still think you'll beat the Jets, but there's no surefire things anymore. There's no sure things. There's not. This is in 2012. You know, the Jets are a pathetic mess, and they're a laughing stock, and you got Tom Brady. This isn't that time. So, until I start seeing this offense produce at the level that you'd think a Mac Jones type of player who in year one went to the Pro Bowl in the playoffs would be able to produce in year two, we have to temper our reservation or our, our uh, expectations because we just don't know at this point. I think they're going to play well in Miami in week one. That's what I think. 617-779-7937. I do think they're going to play well and be right there to win. If they do win, great. That makes the next game, I think, even more interesting. If they lose the game in Miami, I think that makes the next game less interesting. And then I think they could be headed for a uh, a tough start. We'll see what Mitch Trubisky can do. I just think that the game in Miami is there for them, and it's winnable in a situation where you haven't been able to win recently. They have not played well in Miami recently. They have not played well against Tua recently. I think those things, if they could turn it around, could be meaningful. If they could turn it around. There has been no indication that they are going to be able to turn it around. That's the problem. Especially with the schedule later on in the year is going to get tough. So if you struggle in this first half, like you're in a world of trouble if you're losing to Miami and then losing to Pittsburgh, as you said. That's why I see them kind of I, – I think the schedule in the year is going to look similar to what it looked like last year. Um, I forget what they started last year. What was it, one and three? One and three couldn't win at home. Yeah, like two and five, I think, yeah, before I, they I, turned it around. I expect something similar to that. I expect one and three-ish. Then I expect them to figure it out when the teams get a little weaker. Once they've had a little bit more time, they'll figure it out. They'll go on a run. They might win four or five, something like that. We'll all get elevated in terms of our hope for the for the season. And then once those uh, those teams at the end of the year show up on your schedule, it will be a different situation, and it might end up being whatever good play they did experience early in the year, it might end up being a mirage again, like it was last year. So... We'll see where it goes. But I don't expect them to have a big year. As much as I I hope they do, I don't expect it. Just based on what I've seen this preseason and so far, it hasn't been what you want it to look like. And we've seen enough good football, enough good offense in this region the last 20 years to know what good football and good offense looks like, and we just haven't seen it. it. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Uh, I want to talk about the NFL more on the Patriots but around the league and sort of what we're expecting out of the AFC, out of the NFC, the Patriots, how far they can go. All of that's on the table. Plus, if you want to talk Red Sox, you can jump in. I'm Mark Dundere. This is WEI Late Night. So when you uh, when you guys are, when you're kind of, 
going through the process of, of getting the game plan set, how much say do you have on what plays get calls, called and what plays don't get called? Yeah, I think that um, every every team has a quarterback and play caller relationship. And, you know, ever since I was little, I've been very vocal about which plays I feel really comfortable with and which plays I'm not as comfortable with. So at the end of the day, whatever it's called, you just go out there and execute. And um, sometimes there's plays that you thought you might not like and you throw touchdowns on them. So they end up being good plays. So <laughs> you never really know. And that's why I always try not to judge anything. And just go out there and, and do what I do. All right, that was Mac Jones on uh, MFM. Um, I, I said this the other day. I'm, I'm sick of hearing Mac Jones talk. I, and I like Mac Jones. I'm just, I, I mean, I've heard enough of the narrative here about the coaches, the, the development of the relationships and all this crap. Like, I just want to see them play. You know, you're either going to go out there on Sunday and play well or not. And if you don't play well, you screwed up. Not just Mac, but the coaches, everybody. You all screwed up. The whole point is to get ready for week one and play well in week one. Okay, so if you don't do that, nothing's working. It's not working. I don't want to hear about the process. I don't want to hear about the. It's not working. You didn't get it done in time. That's the reality. Okay. The guy was a pro bowler. I don't care how he got there. He was a pro bowler in his rookie season. He took you to the playoffs. The Patriots should be on the ascent. They should be attacking teams this year. Not trying to, you know, fumble around with their play. Let's talk to, uh, let's talk to Dave in Amherst. What's up, Dave? Hey, thanks for the show. Uh, yeah, I agree, I agree with just about everything you said about Mac Jones. He seems like a great guy, a leader a hard worker, a great young man, but I'm just concerned about the arm strength. You know, if you look at the last six games last year, a couple of those pick sixes, some of the throws to the outside, the strength, the zip, I mean, it looked like Stidham had a stronger arm in that preseason game. I, I'm concerned about that. I'm like you. I hope, yeah, you know, always hopeful. Maybe they'll surprise us. But it's like everything has to go perfect, and and Belichick never gets a number one. You know, uh, surrounds him with mediocre talent that casts off from other teams. It's like I don't. It just you know some of it goes back to Tom Brady doing so much for this team, and Belichick's kind of seems like he kind of dropped the ball. And I I just don't know about Mac Jones. What do you think about his arm strength? Does it look stronger? I mean, really? Does Thanks. it? Okay, thanks for the call, Dave. I, I I, mean, look, I think Mac Jones, this is what I think of Mac Jones. His arm strength is not elite, okay? do I? Does that rise to the level of being a major concern for me? No. I think he has enough arm strength. Uh, and the reason I think he has enough arm strength is because I think a lot of the other things he does really well. The more important things when you're a quarterback in the NFL, leadership, Excellent. Accuracy. Excellent. Play call, you know, being, um, I'm not going to call him a surgeon, but he does seem like he understands defenses. He makes good reads. He's pretty good between the ears. He competes. All those things, I think, are more important than arm strength. Arm strength is important. And I know what you're saying. 
you know, I remember playing the preseason. I forget. I think it was the Raiders game where he had a zip in a fourth down pass to Kendrick Bourne, and man, did it look like he put everything he had into that throw. So yeah, he does. He's not Favre. He's not Mahomes. He's certainly not Josh Allen in terms of arm strength. But I think if he has weapons and he's got a good offense, I think he has enough to be not just good, but really good, if not elite. I think. I'm not going to go to elite yet, but I think he could be really good with a with a number one wide receiver and a little more experience. So I'm here. I, I think Mac Jones is going to be a dude. I think Mac Jones is somebody the Patriots want to be in business with. I am not worried about Mac Jones. I'm not. I mean, I'm worried about what might have gone on in terms of his development, but Mac Jones himself being the problem, I'm not worried about right now. Do you understand the difference? Like, I'm worried that maybe the circumstances surrounding Mac Jones might not mean that he's in the best possible position to succeed. But I think if he does get put into the best position to succeed, he will succeed. And he could succeed at a very, very high level if he's put in that position. And today in the NFL, that means a bona fide number one wide receiver and weapons. Got a lot of B guys. But you don't, you know, winning with B guys is tough. Yeah, that's going to be the discussion now is like everyone's going to say if Mac Jones does well, be like, oh, imagine what happens if they give him like real weapons like Derek Carr gets Adams or Tua gets Tyreek, you know, all that kind of conversation. That's the next step if Jones doesn't take a step back. Well, I hope he doesn't take a step. I mean, listen, when you look at some of the second year quarterbacks over the last few years, the studs and hey. You know, we think Mac Jones, based on his rookie year, is a stud. You look at some of the second-year quarterbacks, Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns. Lamar Jackson won MVP. Joe Burrow, in his second year, took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. So second-year studs at quarterback produce, and they do it at a really high level and a really high clip. And that is why, this is why I'm so disappointed with the Patriots right now, because if a year ago, you told me as we entered the 2021 season that Mac Jones was this rookie quarterback. He's going to start. He's going to be in the Pro Bowl, and he's going to lead the Patriots to the playoffs. Based on that and based on what we've seen the ceiling be for second-year quarterbacks that have shown potential, if you told me we were going to be dealing with all these question marks surrounding the Patriots' offense going into year two, that's a massive disappointment. Coming off of a Pro Bowl season and a playoff appearance for a rookie quarterback, we should be talking about going to the AFC Championship game and really taking this thing to another level. We're not, though. We're worried that they're not, you know, some people are out there hoping they don't get blown out. That's what's disappointing about where we are right now and specifically in regards to Mac Jones. Now, maybe they, you know, maybe we come into Sunday week one and John o. Smith has a huge game and they have all these plays they've been trying this you know, zone blocking theme. Maybe they say, you know what, that's not working. We're going to shelve that for now, and we're going to do what we do. And they go back to, like, an old offense that we saw last year or in years past, and a couple guys have big days, and the Dolphins aren't expecting it, and you carve them up. That would be great. I just don't know if it's realistic based on what we've seen in the preseason. I'm Mark Dundero, and this is WEI Late Night. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.